There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your host, Jim and Chuck. And uh, Chuck, this episode, we actually have some news. Yay! Right? Quarantine episode number, I forgot. Uh, but we have uh, about five little pieces of tidbits, uh, some rumors, some conf- confirmations, uh, a possibility of a, uh, a recast in the DCEU. Uh, and we'll get started with that right there. That's the biggest one, I think. Um, so I texted you last week. Um, Ezra Miller decided to choke somebody out at an Icelandic coffee shop. Uh, he choked a woman out and threw her to the ground. And now the report is that the Flash is moving forward with or without uh, Ezra Miller, possibly without Ezra Miller. Um, how do you feel about that? I see the smile on your uh, your wonderful Skyped face. Uh, how do you, how do you uh, what do you make of this? I wouldn't be mad if they got rid of him. No, I think he'd be mad that they got rid of him. I particularly never liked the casting from the jump. Um, I particularly don't like him. Uh, I've never seen, not him as a person, but every movie that I've seen him in, I've, I really haven't liked how he portrays the characters. Okay. Um, so when he was casted as a Flash, I was like, and I, I was on board for everything they had, like Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa. Lies. You were not on board okay. for that. Lies. I was way more on board than I was with Ezra Miller. Yeah, but you called Jason Momoa a piece of driftwood. You said he's a wooden actor. He's caught in a storm. And Yes, I did. <laughs> but The Flash obviously gets casted Ezra Miller. You're not a fan. We've talked about it. I think we actually were a podcast when that happened. Um, do you have, like, if this goes through and they move on, is there anybody that pops up? As someone who could play the Flash? I feel, not that I would want him, but I think he's a hot name. Is that Timothy, whatever his name is from... Oh, uh, Timothy Dune. Oliphant from Hitman. No, no, right? no. no. <laughs> Tim, Tim, uh, Timothy Chalamet from um, To Write Love on Her Own. Or not, to uh, call, me by, you, call Me By Your Name, Dune, a um, bunch of other little women, a bunch of Oscar winning. I can kind of see him as a Barry Allen. Yeah, I mean he is. He hasn't been even talked about as a as a character as a superhero yet. Uh, what about your boy who who you picked as the Joker, Freddie Highmore? Nah, I, I nah, too too nerdy. Not too nerdy. I just don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he could pull it off because he. Yeah. I think he's a really good actor, but uh, I just can't see him as the Flash. I would. Uh... I wouldn't be mad if they just said, since we already know that the, the multiverse exists, I wouldn't be mad if they just brought Grant Gustin over there. Um, at this point, Grant Gustin hasn't been in a ton of movies, or maybe has not been in any movies, but he's got a strong fan base. Uh, he knows the character. He knows the IP. Uh, what better way to cross over into that and like segue out of the series? Um, uh, there's a lot of logistics that have to go into play there, but... I mean, it would be cool. Or they could just go uh, the easy route and make it a Wally West movie. Yeah. And not even do a Barry Allen movie. Uh, but are you surprised? Were you surprised when the news hit that he choked out this woman? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, me too. It was wild. Did you see the video? I seen the stills. And I, I seen a lot of people said he was joking around. It wasn't real. Um, yeah, people it looked are like blown. Kane from WWE came I through and uh, was about to choke slammer. I seen people are blown it out of like saying that it's blown out of proportion and all that and like I don't know, um, you know it's really WB's call. So 
you know, if they if they dive into it and think that it's actually something that's bad press, you know what I mean? You can't have your franchise star choking out people. You definitely can't have him choking out a woman uh, and putting his hands no. on a woman. Um, I bet Marvel, or well, you know, I I would think WB would try and back up the Brinks truck to get Tom Holland over uh, over to DC and play the Flash because he I think he'd be a great Flash too. He would. He would really. He but, would. But I just don't know. I just like to see him as uh, Spider Man and Spider Man only. Yeah. Personally, oh, you know who they might get? Who's a uh, kind of becoming a hotter name again? Liam Hemsworth. He's got that Quibi show. Nah. Got that ten minute Quibi show. You know, it might happen. They need it. They need a Hemsworth over at DC. They don't have it. And I think Luke has kind of aged out of the Flash role. What about Girth? Girth might might actually be the better choice. Uh, but let's move on from the Flash. Um, rumors are kind of heating up with uh, someone that we've talked about multiple times, uh, John Krasinski. Uh, Fantastic Four rumors. Reed Richards was uh, trending a couple days ago on Twitter uh, because apparently John Krasinski had a virtual meeting with Marvel. Uh, it's fair to say that that is either he's going to direct a film or a series or he's Reed Richards. Is, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, or both. Yeah, could you imagine? Oh, that's a lot of work. I mean, he could he could direct Fantastic Four and be Reed Richards at the same time. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at it. That's a but that's big shoes to be your first Marvel movie you're starring and directing. I mean, I know Favreau did Iron Man and was in Iron Man, but Happy's a little different than the lead of Fantastic Four. I don't know. I'd like I'd like to see him showrun if he's going to be a showrunner. Maybe a showrunner for, like, Moon Knight. That would work. Or something like that. You know, um, Jack Ryan is kind of, I think, could be the same tone. Yeah, it's on the same lines. Uh, You know, espionage, different countries, different cultures, um, violence and action. So it it definitely fits. Um, But I'm hoping it's that fantastic forecasting. And um, if they're going to do a virtual Comic-Con this year or a virtual D23, I'd love to have that news be the big news at the end of it saying like listen we got our fantastic four here they are and uh neither of them or none of them is john cena not one not one john cena uh, as ben Grimm. that's what everybody wants i don't, I don't want it but it. i i could see it i could see it they just paint them orange um let's stay with marvel for a bit we got two more things on marvel and then something about uh netflix um we finally found out that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back. Yep. It's coming back this year. Uh, this upcoming May, uh, May 27th at 10 p.m. It's a, it's, it's part of that, like, shuffling schedule, man. It was, Remember when it started at 8, then it went to 9, then it was on Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays. Now it's on Wednesdays at 10. Like, thankfully, I'm not working. I can watch it. I can watch it live because I've been staying up until 4 in the morning. Uh, but this, man, I, I feel like this is just a, an omen that, like, we know this is the last series, but this is just like this series doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, it kind of seems like, you know, Marvel and Disney agreed to do one more season and yeah. they're just like, where can we put it? And they like they didn't, you know, like some shows, OK, works as a Friday night or this is a, a good Monday night slot. And they're like, yeah, Wednesday at 10. We don't yeah. have anything else. So here you go. And it's it's prime time, well, not prime time, but it's prime channel. So I don't think the the tone's going to be any darker, like what we saw with uh, Legion on FX or no. Deadly Class and Krypton on 
uh, sci-fi. I think this is just a placeholder uh, that can get shuffled when you know there's a debate or whatever happens. It's just on to the next show. But they will say that the series is in uh, set in 1931, so it's another time travel season, uh, and it's going to cross over with Agent Carter. I saw the stills from um, Chloe Bennett and Clark Gregg about the 1931 look. Uh, what 1931s heroes are they going to bring in? Like this was a thing that was supposed to connect the MCU to the TV universe, and we saw that in one season, uh, and that's it. Yeah. Now we're what are we gonna are we gonna see like Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett like in archive footage of Endgame when Steve and uh, Tony go back to you know find a, the Tesseract and you know it's it's kind of pointless at this point. But uh, who am I to judge? I'm gonna watch it. Uh, stuck around this long. Might as well watch it the last season. We uh, watched the first episode together. Remember that? Yeah, we used. To, I used to drive all the way over to your house and we'd watch it. Uh, it it's it's crazy because like it, it has ushered in some good things. It ushered in Deathlock and uh, it had some Inhuman vibes, but it also ushered in uh, Ghost Rider, which was a which was a great little segment of the show. I thought that that was probably the best season that they've had. Yeah, uh, and it was the best character development on it because you know Gabriel Luna was was great as Robbie Reyes. Yeah, I mean, I was I have to agree with you on that. I wasn't thrilled about Robbie Reyes only because I, I always like Johnny Blaze, but that is by far probably the best thing they've done since I enjoyed the first season, mm-hmm. and since then, like, um, I didn't really like last season. I kind of same how yeah. you were saying. I've lasted this long. Let's go along for the ride. And I think I watched it like two, three months after it aired. Yeah, it was pretty forgettable. Um, too too much. Like once you start time traveling, that means that you're trying to retcon things and uh, you're not trustworthy of your property and I guess your storyline. The worst thing they could have done or the worst thing that they did do was they got rid of Ward. I thought that he was uh, – Brett Dalton was probably the best heel that they had on that show. And uh, once they got rid of it, the, the quality went down. BJ Britt left. Uh, there was a, a lot of people that were good on the show just to get kind of scrapped out. And it focused more on um, Quake and the love between Fitzsimmons. And that was uh, – I think that was the wrong move personally. The, because if, and, you're, if, if you're going to abandon the entire Inhuman storyline, then why focus on Quake? Yeah. And then you know what? The, the Hive storyline was pretty good too. Yeah, it was really good. We'll see. We'll talk about the first episode, uh, probably our first episode in June when we yeah. uh, will review the first episode. We'll see. Uh, last but not least, as far as Marvel goes, uh, it was confirmed yesterday, uh, officially, that Sam Raimi is going to be doing Doctor Strange, uh, Madness in the Multiverse. Now, if you go back to like the last episode in February, we confirmed it on our podcast yeah. here um, that Sam Raimi was going to direct it. And that opens the door for some... Sam Raimi favorite actors to potentially enter the MCU. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Bruce Campbell. He's going to be in it, whether yeah, he, he's a hot dog vendor or a plumber or something. That was my question. Does he get a role in Doctor Strange too? Yeah, yeah. Do you think now? Do you think it's a background player, or do you think he gets like a an actual canon character, kind of like no, what Seth I, Green got as uh, Howard the Duck? I think they're going to do what he did in. He was he was in what Spider Man three as like a restaurant manager. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, I I don't see him being a notable 
player in the universe. Okay. Um, he's more of an more of an Easter egg, like because he's Sam Raimi's in it. Look for Bruce. Yeah. All right. I'd like him to get like a minor Marvel character, a one shot, kind of like what we did with Howard the Duck. That they're bouncing through the multiverse, and boom, he's the voice of somebody. Um, I mean, Bruce Campbell could have been a, a groovy Modoc. Could you imagine him voicing Modoc? That would have been something absolutely well, I, crazy. I, I remember back in the day when Raimi was doing it, and everyone wanted him as Mysterio. I could see that. I could have seen that. Um, I like Bruce Campbell. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Evil Dead stuff. Uh, the Ash vs. Evil Dead series that was on Stars for a bit. I was a huge fan of that. I thought that was you, a lot of fun. You watched like the Boba Hotep or whatever that was? Boba Hotep? No. You don't know what that I is? I don't. The hell so, is that? So, Boba Hotep is uh, apparently, I forget how it is. Think of Elvis meets mummies. Okay, yeah, I want nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. But uh, what I do want to do is I want to kind of segue out of that weird discussion. And uh, I want to talk about a Netflix deal that went kind of under the radar um, earlier this week. Uh, Boom Studios. You're familiar with Boom Studios, right? Yep. I got several of their comics. Yeah. They're, they're main, they put out a lot of like the nostalgia stuff. Uh, Power Rangers and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But they produce 20 of their own titles, original titles every year. Um, they signed a deal with Netflix, uh, a two-year first year uh, first look at all their properties for movies and adaptations, which is uh, which is pretty big. You, you know, not so long ago, Netflix bought uh, Miller World. Yeah, and uh, we've got some news on that. This this is a bunch of properties I don't think you're familiar with, or you may be familiar with, but you haven't read uh, Lumberjanes. Uh, some. Something is Killing the Children, which is a pretty metal title and is actually a pretty good comic. And uh, Once in Future, and Thomas talked about this, Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard sounds familiar. It's intense. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a, I think we were at the same Comic-Con with Tom where he got the books. He met the writers and, and whatnot. I think it was yeah. at Keystone last year. But, man, uh, what a uh, what a deal, man. It would be great if they kind of streamlined that and started producing that content ASAP because uh, – I need new stuff to watch. Uh, I've watched the Goofy movie like three times so far. Oh man, we're we're watching everything. I told you we watched uh, What Men Want. Yeah, we watched uh, Coffee and Kareem the other day. That was a fun little movie. Chelsea wasn't a fan. She said the uh, the kid got tired, uh, got old pretty quick. Danielle hated it. Yeah, he, well, the, they tried to make the kid like a foul mouth bully which he was and i thought he was hilarious because that's my childish sense of humor but i could see why people would be like oh it's getting old it had it show had heart my favorite part is when they're talking about bad lieutenant and i was like oh yeah. my god yeah as yep. soon, still not as, still haven't watched it as soon as they said that i text you right away i was like have you watched coffee and cream yet and you were like no not yet and i was like wait it's a it's a fun little movie. Uh, I like Ed Helms, and I thought the kid—I don't know his name off the top of my head—but I thought the kid was great. Um, he was he was a mess. That child was an absolute mess. Yeah. But it it, it was funny. Uh, another Betty Gilpin movie. Yeah. It's like the seventeenth movie that I've seen her in this year, <laughs> like in two months. So uh, man, she better be cast out of something because uh, the writing's on the wall. But let's get down the brass tacks. Uh, this episode is another one of those, uh, we'll call it like a lunch and learn, 
like you can listen to lo- eat, uh, listen to it while you eat your lunch. Uh, but we're going to get to know some heroes, uh, some of which we've probably talked about, some of which I know you have talked about any chance that you possibly can get on this list, uh, and some of which that you've probably never even heard of. Um, the purpose of of this is to get familiar with these characters, either through comics, the entertainment that they've been in, or that they potentially have plans to, to be in movies or television shows uh, in the future. So we compiled a list of 10 uh, ten heroes that we think that you should get to know. Five for you, five for me. Um, for if you're playing along at home, all the even numbers are Chuck's suggestions, and all the odd numbers are my suggestions. So we're gonna get right into your first one, um, and it comes from Marvel. And uh, if was the character was first created and debuted in the Man Called Nova number one in September of 1976, and was created by Marv Wolfman and John Romita Sr. And that character is Nova, uh, Richard Ryder, who was a normal teenager when he was granted the power of the Nova Centurion after meeting Raman Day and pledging to use the powers for good. Even though he is a uh, cosmic by nature, he was mostly teamed up with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four in his early comics. Uh, He became a member of the Nova Corps, an intergalactic peacekeeping force, and later joined the United Front, the New Warriors, Defenders, and the Secret Avengers. Uh, Most people know Nova, but... Nova's got some cool powers. He's an expert at hand-to-hand combat, ability to fly, in possession of the Xandarian world mind, which allows Nova to absorb and project energy as well as use and wield the entire Nova force, which is a limitless energy source. But the coolest ability, in my mind, of all of Nova is that he has uh, influence over gravitational forces and opens wormholes. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, Nova's helmet, which is the most recognizable thing about Nova... Uh, has the ability to turn into cloth and conceal while Richard is a civilian. Um, but when turned back into the helmet, it has enhanced sights, night vision, heat imaging, and energy ta- uh, tracking sensors. Now, some must-reads or some famous arcs that I I suggested uh, would I would check out the Human Rocket storyline, Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, Original Sin, and then Resurrection, uh, where the world was introduced to uh, the new Nova, uh, Sam Alexander. Now. I didn't preface this as, did you mean Richard Ryder, not Sam Alexander, when we were doing the episode? So did uh, I get the right character? Yeah, Richard Ryder, yeah. Um, awesome. Because that's what I remember. I mean, I, obviously I wasn't born when he came out, but um, the run that he had in the 90s, I remember having a comic. It was like a, it was Nova shooting out of a, kind of like, not shooting out, but he was in space. And it showed yeah. like kind of the flames behind him. Um, I remember having that comic. I always thought he was really cool. Um, he always reminded me, and in doing research, that's what they made him for. He always reminded me of like a Spider-Man in space. Yeah, and I get the team up like early in early in the game. It was like he was a street level hero just with crazy power, uh, and he was a teenager. So what better way to team him up with somebody who was a teenager like Peter Parker? And you know. As I was, like I said, I've known about Nova for a long time, but uh, doing some research, and that's what the creators wanted. They wanted a Spider-Man-like character with a teenager getting these powers and not really knowing how to use them. And then, I mean, because honestly, his powers are way more advanced than Peter Parker's. Yeah, And absolutely. you know, you get these teenagers with these cosmic abilities, which is really cool. And, you know, another reason I put him on here is because... He has a very good potential to be in uh, the MCU one day. 
Yeah, and that's actually what I want to talk about. He has he's been featured in the animation stuff, but hasn't made that transition to the big screen yet. Uh, we've seen the Nova Corps. Yeah, we've seen and, and Nova Prime uh, was played by Glenn Close in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but there's no sign of Richard Ryder. Uh, a lot of people have like said there were Easter eggs in Infinity War Endgame that he was floating around there. But a character like Nova uh, should be at the forefront. You should actually see them and not be hunting the background for for this character. Um, last we left with the Xandarians, um, Thanos had it, destroyed all of Xandar. Yeah. So as far as the MCU goes, I don't know where Richard would be if the helmet gets dislodged from John C. Riley or Glenn Close and lands somewhere in New York City. But uh, I think as far as Nova in the MCU, I think it's a, a, a shoe in Like, it's got to be it's got to be discussed, being discussed at this point. And uh, it's a perfect kind of hero to introduce, whether it's Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander, who I'm partially not a fan of these, like, kid versions of the superheroes. Yeah, me um, too. It, it kind of makes it a little cheesy. It makes it more of like a Disney Channel special than an MCU, you know, production. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to see Richard Ryder come in there, um, and maybe you can segue into a little, little Sam Alexander. But the thing about Nova is a lot of people like really think that Nova is just the answer to the Green Lantern Corps. Um, but Nova is just like an inter- intergalactic peace corps uh, with. A leader you know what i mean green lantern kind of spurned off into red black white yellow all these different lanterns uh where nova just was like they stayed true to their character and said we're just going to be the intergalactic uh police and i think what james gunn did in guardians one kind of portrayed that perfectly and we got yeah. peter serafinowitz was in there he was a nova uh nova corpsman as well yeah um, when they made that human shield and boom they all ronin killed them all uh it was very sad nova they're like the front line of the military for space. They're the first ones to go, which They're is Space a shame, Force. But, yeah, which is a series coming out on Netflix that <laughs> uh, with Steve Steve Carell. Uh, good good little segue. All right, you ready for number nine? Yeah. Oh, speaking of Nova, Nova's appeared in 958 issues of Marvel Comics. I uh, I went deep on homework here, <laughs> so there's a there's a discrepancy. Like, so what we're gonna be going through. As far as like your characters versus my characters, and some of my characters versus my own characters, um, are like your first, your number five had like nine fifty eight, right? My number five has six issues. Like I have two characters here that when you add them together, it's twelve issues total, not even a month's worth of series, because I think that these are like the future building for these characters. Uh, mine comes from DC Comics, uh, character called Naomi. Yeah. Um, Naomi is uh, on our list, the newest edition. Uh, first appearing in her own series, Naomi, number one, in 2019, and was created by Brian Michael Bendis, David Walker, and Jamal Campbell. Uh, Naomi McDuffie is a young girl searching for answers after finding out that she is a sole survivor of an alternate world. Any more backstory uh, would spoil the series because it's ongoing and it's developing Naomi as a character. Uh, Naomi's powers are that she's very durable, so there's going to be a lot of durability in this episode. Uh, she's able to project energy. She can fly and she has the ability of light projection and super strength. And if you want to get to know Naomi, you should read the ongoing series. Like I said, it's six uh, issues, DC Wonder Comics. Should be available on DC Universe, I believe. Um, an appearance in the media, there is none. Um, she's brand new, just started last year. But in my mind, uh, being a, a fresh character like Naomi, being a young girl, um, Naomi's story fits perfectly in what 
the CW is establishing in their universe um, and is great launching off point for um, for readers, for young readers. Like I remember when Naomi came out, I told you to pick it up for uh, AG because it's a young girl going through these characters. There's not a lot of young girl uh, new comics out there. No. Um, I'm 33 and I read all six of them and I think it's a fantastic storyline. It's not geared towards kids, but it could be. You know, there's not like a bunch yeah. of violence and cursing, but it has like um, history with the Thangarnian, uh, the Hulk, the Hulk people, uh, and a bunch of other well-known characters. Superman makes some cameos in it. Um, I would definitely read Naomi. You have any interest in uh, ever picking up a Naomi comic? As someone over uh, your, I mean, half your list is DC. So let's see. No, I have. Okay, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's five, so I've got three DC and and. Uh, to Marvel, I I am reading Young Justice. Yes, uh, Naomi would fit perfectly in that team. Oh, she is. Oh yeah, she was the newest addition to that team. I haven't like, read that through. issue yet, but yeah, she she's in the team. What a weird team that is. <laughs> what a that, that that's such a weird grouping, and like that is like My Little Pony's DC Comics, but like for some reason I continue to read it. Like yeah, when they go to like a bubblegum kingdom or something. Yeah, what was it? Um, Amethyst and fucking yeah. Gem World. It was like, and... it, yeah, Gem World. It was like Steven Universe. We were like reading a comic of Steven Universe. So you know Naomi, really? Uh, I haven't read any of those issues, but I, yeah, I know. Not, yes, I know who she is. I, I think, man, I think that she'd be perfect in the CW. I, I think that that's a perfect launching off point. I honestly, if she had more development, I think that, that Naomi would have been a better series than Stargirl. Yeah, probably. Uh, which we'll talk about eventually. Stargirl is coming out in May. We'll probably talk about that first uh, episode. But I think Naomi would be a good uh, good addition to um, to the CW-verse. Kind of like what Josie and the Pussycats is to Riverdale. <laughs> a nice little segue. Or like a Katie Keene, that show. Uh, so from six issues with Naomi, my number nine, to 734 issues through DC Comics, uh, our number eight is Dead Man. Even though he has a lot, I don't think a lot of people know about him. No, no, I don't think so either. Uh, Boston Brand first appeared in Strange Adventures 205 in October 1967 and was created by Arnold Drake and Carmine Infantino. Boston Brand was a famous acrobat who, during a circus performance, was killed by the League of Assassins. Then, after meeting the Hindu goddess Ramakrishna, Boston was turned into a ghost. Now a ghost superhero, Boston is now tasked with aiding and uh, aiding the people he possesses to avoid eternity in hell. He's a member of Justice League Dark currently and has been a member of the Seven Soldier of Victory, Seven Soldiers of Victory, and the Sentinels of Magic. Uh, before his death and after his death. Uh, he was a peak human athlete. He was a circus performer and an acrobat. He has the ability of invisibility, flight, and intangibility. Uh, he is also able to possess any sentient beings, which makes for uh, some pretty cool dialogue in the animated stuff, at least, uh, with uh, Totora, right? Yeah, Brucey. Brucey, yeah. Um, if you're going to read any, if you want to read any Dead Man comics, his origin was retconned in The Brightest Day number one. I would check that out. Um, Check out his complete collection by Kelly Johnson or Kelly Jones, and 2018's Dead Man miniseries by Neil Adams is yeah. the most current um, storyline that featured solely Dead Man, and the artwork is crazy on that one as well. Uh, Neil uh, wrote and drew it, which is 
a feat in its own. And the current Justice League Dark series uh, features a bunch of cameos uh, of Dead Man. And Dead Man has been featured in the DC Animated Universe and will be in the next Justice League Dark Apocalypse War film and also is in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. You remember he was in the crowd there? Yeah. Uh, but sadly, there are no plans for him to join the DCEU, but they continue to kind of tease that a Justice League Dark movie is going to be made eventually and Dead Man's supposed to be in it. What do you think of Dead Man since he made your list? Um, I like Dead Man a lot. He, he's very weird. And he's obscure. Oh, yeah. Like I said, you he's been in a bunch of comics, but I really don't think a lot of the people know Deadman. Yeah, he's like he's been a background player for a lot of the the comic series that he's been in. Like he's done stuff with Batman where he was you know, I'm, the Deadman series features Batman heavily in it. Yeah. It's like a Deadman, Batman, Jim Gordon team up. Um I don't know if Deadman is I don't know what it is about him. I it's kinda like if Casper the Friendly Ghost grew up to have a, a foul mouth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and his storyline really doesn't, it's not conducive to modern times. Like, there's not a, like, can you name a famous acrobat? No. You know what I mean? So, like, no one's, like, going out and, like, the circus is a dying median. So, it's kind of tough for for him to kind of cross over, which I guess is why they kind of retconned his stuff in Brightest Day. Uh, Power-wise, he's awesome. Um, yeah. you, you can turn into a ghost and you can possess people, uh, which is awesome. And Dead Man as a hero is great. I'd like to see more of Dead Man as a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, like, there was a comic way, way back, I think in the 80s, where I say way, way back, like it's not when we were born, um, where Dead Man tried to possess the Joker. And I think he was in the Joker for like six seconds and he was about to go insane. Uh, so he can possess all of Sentinel life, but when you come up to somebody like the Joker, um, it's insane. But I'd like to see what they could do with uh, Justice League Dark. Maybe a storyline, Justice League Dark, where Deadman actually possesses the Joker and becomes victim of the Joker. Or if you're going comics, like maybe the Batman who laughs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be pretty dope. But uh, Deadman's cool, man. I- I'm a big fan of him, but... I wish they would uh, expose a little more of, uh, of his character. I think that it's a deeper storyline that could go somewhere, but it's still kind of dated with its acrobatics. Yeah, and I'm sure that, I mean, a lot of the stuff from the 60s and 70s um, needs to get updated. You know, that's 40, 50 years ago. And, yep. you know, the, uh, um, pretty much everything that you see in the movies and TV now is updated to an extent um but i always you know when i first found out about dead man i thought he was really cool i like his powers um and it's someone that i can see coming in some median in like the justice league dark in the future yeah if that ever takes off yeah who knows you know but um he would have been great in the the rumored uh, James Wan Justice League Dark that was going to be coming to the CW or not CW uh, DC Universe with with Constantine Swamp Thing yeah. Dead Man would have been a great addition to that. Yeah, we'll see what happened with that. Did you have anything else on Dead Man? No, no. I mean, you covered the one thing I talked about notable series is that the Neil Adams one. Um, I I read a little bit of that and it's pretty cool. It get, you know Neil Adams comes back from doing it and it's cool that like you said he wrote and directed or wrote and uh, drew it. But um, if we ever see Neil Adams again at like 
the um, Great Philadelphia, which he's a staple at. It would be really cool to get some Dead Man art. Yeah, or I mean, I have a couple of the comics, so I might get them actually get them signed. We have the. Um, I know we met him years ago, many moons ago. I actually have art hanging him uh, from him downstairs. It's uh, and he signed it, and it's a yep. um, it's a reproduction of a where um, Robin dies by uh, Reza Ghul. Yeah. And um, it's hanging up in the, my man cave downstairs. But yeah, so and then like we got that, and then a year later. Does it? I ha- I'm looking at the art I have of him now. It's Black Canary and, and Green Arrow uh, in my little Arrow shrine and signed by him as well. So I would suggest if you're a comic book fan, he's a an OG in the yeah, comic book definitely. game. And he's really accessible. He, he's been at several cons that we've been at. Yeah, he's a con guy. Like he's out there you know making it making it work and dead man was the first thing he did in a while and uh that's why i picked it up because we had met him we had talked to him yeah. so i got to support the people that we come in contact with uh number seven is uh from valiant comics uh Ooh. 300 yeah 383 epi- uh, issues it's not bloodshot because uh we might need to do a who is bloodshot episode after that trash movie that came out uh but this character's name is exo man of war uh he first <laughs> Uh, he first appeared in Exo Man of War number one in February 1992 and was created by Jim Shooter, Steve Englehart, Bob Layton, and Barry Windsor Smith. Um, so he's got a crazy storyline, uh, crazy origin, but in uh, the year 402, aliens stormed Italy and ra- uh, waged a war with the Visigoths, which was a barbaric tribe. Uh, Eric of Dacia. Uh, or Dakai, I'm going to say Dacia, uh, was abducted by aliens and took control of the greatest weapon in the Valiant universe, uh, the Exo Man of War armor. Uh, Eric returned to Earth after centuries had passed and finding himself a barbarian in a civilized world in possession of the galaxy's most advanced weapon. Think Conan coming back to modern times with an Iron Man suit. That's yeah. the the be- that's what I can give you with Exo. Um, uh, the suit's called Sh- Shinahara, with the Shenhara suit, uh, Eric has enhanced strength, speed, re- reflexes, and a healing process. The suit possesses scan cloaking, scan cloaking, x-ray vision, technopathy, halted aging, missiles, the ability to fly and teleport, among several other features. There's, like I went on the list of like Exo Man of War features, and I f- swear to God, there's a uh, like a Keurig in there. It can make him look like little <laughs> little coffee cups. Uh, must reads for for uh, Eric, who is like one of the OGs of Valiant. Like if they're doing Mount Rushmore, he's like the George Washington of Mount Rushmore for um, for Valiant. Uh, I would recommend reading the Road to Rome story. It's the beginning. It gives you obviously uh, a good backstory on him. Uh, Hunter and the Hunted is also pretty dope, and it features Ninjak, which is another really cool hero you should get to know. Uh, and the Prelude to Planet of Death, uh, play, uh, and the Prelude to Planet Death and the planet death storyline um mainly because the names are super metal but uh the artwork is phenomenal on there uh just look at the covers of the the trades it's worth reading in its own right and appearances in the media this is the main reason why i picked him not only do i like the character we saw him play uh derek theller play him on uh the ninjack versus the valley universe uh bat and sun sun movie go back and look at our archives for that we'd have two interviews with uh two of the cast members from that but um He's getting his own movie, potentially. Yeah. Uh, and recently, it was teased by none other than the before-mentioned John Cena, uh, who seems to be lobbying for the role. Uh, I am absolutely against this. Um, I personally don't think John Cena is a good actor. And if you watched WrestleMania, 
you can tell that he's not a good actor just by the way he the faces he was making. But where are you with the John Cena casting, and where are you with Exo Man of War? Because we did talk about them on an episode, but where are you at with all this? Um, I'm glad you brought Valiant up. I didn't put any Valiant on my uh, list, but Exo Man of War is really cool. Um, when we did the uh, Ninjak vs. Valiant universe, I kind of dove into a lot of the um, different heroes in that universe, and Exo is really cool. It's it's like you say, Conan um, meets aliens and gets a Iron Man suit. Yeah, it's and insane. It what I like about it, it's original. Yeah, um, yeah. There, it's it. You know, Valiant for the most part came in and like they were disgruntled uh, ex Marvel workers because they left, and they came in and they said, "How do we compete with Marvel? We're not going to compete with Batman, obviously, but how do we compete with Marvel?" And they mashed up some things, Conan, Iron Man. There's definitely tropes in there, but it, it's a crazy – it is a crazy original storyline with the you know, the, the Visigoths and the, the aliens and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I think it's really cool. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, on the hand of John Cena, uh, I don't like it at all. Um, to me and, – and, you know, through our texts, you text me that and I was like, are you kidding me right now? And the main reason is Valiant put out Bloodshot. Mm. It bombed. Yeah. It, it you know, it, it, it's not a good movie. And, and you, you, gotta, can't blame Cor- you can't blame Corona for no. the numbers because it wasn't good. And you got a guy who pretty much is a one-dimensional actor. He plays pretty much the same character in every movie that he's in mm-hmm. and you know wait are we talking vin diesel or john cena because they're both in that lump you can you're i'm confused are they are you saying that they only cast one-dimensional actors some would say wooden <laughs> i like i said you know their first shot at blood their first sony's first shot at a valiant universe and they they bombed because and a lot of it I think it had to do because of Vin Diesel, and yeah. so you're gonna get a movie that bombs and you're gonna go okay we're gonna give it another shot and we're gonna grab another guy that is in the same boat as Vin Diesel. Yeah, they're going over name versus a talent. Like the name is more important than the talent. Um, and we had talked about like the potential of this Valiant universe. It's never gonna work because. Their, their IP, Sony doesn't own all the, the character rights. It's early Marvel. So yeah. Sony has Bloodshot. I think they have Eternal Warrior. And then like Paramount has Exo and has Harbinger and, and Hardcorps and stuff like that. So we're never going to see that crossover unless Disney comes in and buys them too. And then we have a conglomerate of superheroes. But I, I think Exo Man of War is a, a title to read. Uh, I would ignore the movie. If John Cena is going to be casted, um, there's so many other talent, talent-filled actors out there that could play EXO. Um, and if you want to see what EXO is about, just go watch that Valiant um, Ninjak versus Valiant Universe. Yeah, I believe it's final. It was finally released on YouTube in its entirety. Really? Um, uh, yeah, right after, uh, conveniently after Bloodshot bombed. So it it, <laughs> it makes sense. Let's go to number six. This is yours, uh, which is. Not a surprise it makes this list. Uh, 379 issues from Marvel, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Um, 
Beta Ray Bill first appeared in The Mighty Thor number 337 in November of 1983 and was created by Walt Simonson. Uh, Simon Walters, also known as Beta Ray Bill, is a Corbinite who has who was augmented to look like Homeworld's native beasts. Uh, this process led him to make like a buff-ass horse. Uh, after his race was decimated, Bill was suspended in animation on a ship called the Scuttlebutt. This is where he comes in contact with Thor and S.H.I.E.L.D., who he defeated with ease, leading to a meeting with Odin. Odin uh, knows that Bill is worthy of Mjolnir and pits Thor and Bill in a battle to death. Bill wins but saves Thor, leading Odin to create uh, the most metal weapon in the MCU, Stormbreaker, uh, which we finally saw in Infinity War and uh, Endgame, which grants Bill the power of Thor. Throughout the years, Bill has remained an ally to Thor and Asgard and has been a member of Omega Flight, Star Masters, Thor Corps, the Annihilators, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, besides looking like a buff horse and having the powers of Thor, he's uh, Bill's a superior at hand-to-hand combat. He has superhuman strength, stamina, speed, and durability. He can fly using Stormbreaker and manipulate energy and weather when he's wielding Stormbreaker. Uh, Bill's been featured in, like I said, 373 issues, but I would recommend reading Bill, uh, Beta Ray Bill God Hunter, which is three issues long, uh, really quick quick read. Uh, the Saga of Beta Ray Bill, The Garden of Eden, as well as 2001's Maximum Security, and then he's also been featured in one of Mar- Marvel's Ultimate Reads, Secret Invasion. Uh, so let's talk plans for a minute, because there it's kind of murky waters when it comes to Bill. We've talked about we're pro-Bill on this yeah, episode, we, on, on, over here, and I think the whole production team, us, Galaxy Wars, we're all pro-Bill. Uh, a bust of Bill's head was featured on the Tower of the Grandmaster in Ragnarok. We saw that. And then there have been rumors and uh, and dreams from us here that Bill will be appearing in the Guardians films and most recently Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, did you pick Bill because of the potential for the MCU or is it just because he's super weird, he fits our weird aesthetic here at Active Geek and that's why you went with him? Uh, both. Because, one, he's a super weird character. Um, you know, like you said, buff horse, Thor. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what he looks like. And... Um, you know, I've been a big fan of Beta Ray Bill for a long time. And it's another one, like I keep saying, like, yeah, he's been in these comics, but not a lot of people know who he is. You know, yeah. hardcore comic fans is us, and probably a lot of our fans do, but the casual Marvel fan has no idea who Beta Ray Bill is. And they see him, and they're like, what the hell is that? Yeah, and yeah unless, they, unless they make a Funko Pop of him, then they're going to be like, oh, I love Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Which I think he actually just got a Funko Pop, which is uh, to be added to my collection soon. But, um, yeah, so, and that, and then the potential. Uh, you know, yeah. he he was a grand champion for the Grandmaster. Yep. Um, and that's why his uh, head was on the side of the building. Yeah. And so he, he, unknowingly to a lot of people, he does exist in the universe. Yeah, I'd like him to be part of the Guardians rather than like my my dream. We've talked about this on, mainly on Galaxy Wars, but you and I have talked about this as well. My dream for Love and Thunder is that Gore the God Butcher comes, and the big thing about Gore the God Butcher is that for like all the Thors have to power up to beat him. Uh, and if you're already gonna have two, you're gonna have Odin's son, you're gonna have Jane Foster. What better way to bring in Beta Ray Bill? And but frog. long. T- yeah, I mean, this is, last two episodes have been very Thor heavy, uh, and I would say, like honestly, Thor has a lot of like really cool characters in his his archives. Like Gore is an awesome character. If we were doing villains, Gore would be number one for me. Uh, but 
I think that, that there are also characters you should look into. But long-term plans, I'd like to see uh, Thor kind of go off into the sunset, not be in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Beta Ray Bill take his spot. Because I think that that, that that whole team up would be amazing. Yeah, it would. And yeah. um, you would go hybrid, right? CG? Yeah, the FC. face has to be CG, yeah, for sure. No, I, I wouldn't want it to be like a a prosthetic. You know what I mean? That that could look real creepy, real scary in, in a in a heartbeat. But I'm glad Beta Ray Bill came on this list. I knew like he was a, a late addition to the list uh, yeah. because we had we had the same character, I believe, at some point. No, what it was, there was a character that I put on there, but you want to do an episode about this character? Oh yeah, it's Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we we uh from head to toe, we look like Moon Knight. We've been talking about Moon Knight forever. Uh, so if you're not listening to our episode, then you might not know Moon Knight. But if you listen to us, you you know Moon Knight. Yeah. Uh, ready for ready for my number five? Yeah. All right. Another six issues. Solid six issues. Uh, Image Comics series done. Uh, it's a character named Edison Crane. Um, Edison Crane was created by the before mentioned. I see your face. Uh, the before mentioned Mark Miller and Raphael Albuquerque. And debuted in Prodigy Number One back in December 2018. So a little bit about Edison Crane. Uh, when he de- debuted in Prodigy Number One, we meet the smartest man in the world, uh, who can get out of almost every cir- uh, circumstance and situation. Through the series of flashbacks in the first issue, you come to know how talented Edison is. He's like a savant. There's a- obviously there's a reason why he's called Prodigy, uh, and you also see how imperfect his human life is. Uh, just like with Naomi, if I went further, I would spoil the series. Uh, and I encourage people to read. It's just six issues. Go out there and you get it on Comixology. You can get it from Image. Uh, but the best comparison I would give with uh, with Edison, not only is he the smartest, but he's super rich, right? He's got like a gazillion dollars. Uh, James Bond meets Bruce Wayne. Okay. All right. So two characters that you really like. Um, Edison Crane is a normal human. However, he's extremely intelligent, skilled in many disciplines, and he's fearless and wealthy. And we know money is the root of all evil, but money is the root of all power, too. Uh, and like I said, if you're going to read anything about Edison Crane, read Prodigy, six issues. Uh, and the main reason I picked him is that Edison is high on this list because unlike some of the other characters on the list, uh, there are plans for uh, Prodigy to be adapted. Uh, when Netflix purchased Miller World, which we talked about, Prodigy had yet to be begun, but Netflix has decided to move forward with adapting Prodigy into a full-length movie and is going to be written by Matthew, a.k.a. Kaz Furpo, and Ryan Furpo, who most recently wrote the screenplay for Eternals. Okay. So that's uh, it's it should be coming out soon. This is the, the first solid confirmation that it's moving forward of Miller World. You know, they've talked about Shark the Bounty Hunter and you know kick ass and hit girl and all this other stuff the uh, magic order but this is solid they got two guys uh brother another brother team to go out there and uh write it and you're coming from eternals that's big uh, it's big shoes to fill i mean you're writing a marvel thing and now you're going to be doing image you've never heard of this character have you no not at all yeah you know i i know of miller world and what they're doing but uh i've heard of prodigy only because only because of you and from you know the Millar world and stuff like that uh but edison crane yeah uh, yeah never heard of him yeah man it 
it's worth the read. It's it's a fun little comic. It's six issues, uh, but the potential for a movie is there. Um, my fear is that you're taking six, six issues and you're going to try and span that out into uh, 120 minutes or 90 minutes, whatever, uh, and then it's going to turn into the October faction. Oh. But that's that's what I'm worried about. But you got two guys. It's not like you know how. Remember when that they uh, they announced that. Uh, Ant-Man got a writer and he was a writer for Rick and Morty but he only wrote one episode like I remember I remember the text that you sent me right these guys wrote a screenplay for a movie that's already done that should have been out this year but it's going to come out next year uh, and the launching point for phase four so having the eternal writer on board you you're able to see how a bigger comic book world works and you're able to take notes from Kevin Feige and Disney and Marvel and now you can go out and make a great series so that's uh that's my number five six issues solid six issues number four we're going up to 792 issues uh this is dc this is from you uh and this is uh, a character that when i did the backstory and everything on i was like i'm gonna be here for six hours doing this because there's been like 35 different people to play this character so bear with me the first dr fate first appeared in more fun comics number 55 in may of 1940 and was created by gardner fox and howard sherman now the mantle of dr fate has been passed down in 1987 1999 2007 and lastly 2015 we're going to focus on kent nielsen uh who's the first incarnation of dr fate and kent had discovered the tomb of the ancient wizard nabu uh and was later trained by him in all the ways of sorcery in order to fight crime and the forces of evil. Later in the year, uh, the character's history, the title Dr. Fate had been passed down to Eric Strauss and his stepmother Linda, which was a weird storyline in general. How does how do you and your stepmom become Dr. Fate? Uh, then Inza, Inza Kramer Nelson, Jared Stevens, Hector Hall, uh, some of you might recognize that last name. He's the son of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Kent V. Nelson, who's the original Dr. Fate's grandson, or grandnephew. And lastly, the newest Dr. Fate, Khalid Nasur. Uh, Dr. Fate is a member of the All-Star Squadron, JSA, Justice League Dark, Sentinels of Magic, Justice League International, and the Lords of Order. Um, we've talked about Dr. Fate on here before, but he's obviously a master of magic, spellcasting. He's got abilities in pyrokinesis, telekinesis, telepathy, and uh, telepathy, and superhuman strength and then must reads uh, i would just stay current i would do the the new stuff with dr fate he's in justice league dark that series uh 2015 and 2011 there were some famous series uh some good series with dr fate in it but if you want to go back you can go back to 1987 it's a great year i was born that year uh so a four-part series featuring dr fate now appearances you, you were a small fellow guy or no no i've right. never watched one episode but i knew he was in it he was, and he was played by Brent Strait. His helmet was featured briefly in the short-lived Constantine series. I know you and me marked out when we saw that. And then Dr. Fate will be featured in the Stargirl series of uh, coming in DC Universe, NCW in May, and he's in Injustice 2. Why'd you pick Dr. Fate? Um, one, he's super, super powerful. And again, you know, it's someone that people might know what he looks like but not really know who he is. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, he, I like the magic part. I always like magic. And I, I like the, the idea of him wielding magic and, and Nobu. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're kind of like a, a host to Nobu. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. I like the storyline again. It's kind of an original storyline. Um, 
which is really cool. And his look is sick. Yeah, it's a very cool costume. I, I love the, the gold helmet. Like, this was a helmet-heavy episode with, like, Nova. The, you're a big fan of, of helmets, is what I'm picking up. And well, you but, know what yeah. the problem is? Because I have such a big head, I can't fit in helmets. It's 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 helmet envy. Got yeah, it. I have helmet and hair envy. So oh, uh, that's why Beta Ray Bill was on here. His mane is ridiculous. But um, do you, are you aware of the kind of quasi reboot they did of Doctor Fate in the '90s called Fate? Yeah, that was weird. Like I was looking at like the comics were on uh, DC Universe, and like I was peeking yeah. through them, and oh, what a messy, messy it, comic. He looks like the love child of Bishop and uh, Rufio from Hook. Yeah, he's got like a, a Jerry Curl mullet. <laughs> he's got the, the black spiky hair with the the red streak going down the middle. And then he's got the friggin' the Ankh symbol, the Egyptian symbol that represents life that um, if you ever see Injustice 2 when you do the super move, that, that symbol comes alive and kind of... Yeah, you know, a lot of people think it's Prince's symbol. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it, Ankh, A N K H. But sure. uh, yeah, so the so Fate, not Doctor Fate, has a uh, a tattoo on his right eye, and he he, he he looks like I'm telling you, he looks like Bishop mixed with Rufio. Maybe they were lobbying to get Prince to play Fate. Back in the '90s, that could have been like that could have been a series. That could have been amazing. And it, uh, yeah, I forget about. Like, I'd like to forget about that Doctor Fate. That's why it wasn't even put on here. Like that's a very WWE move, where like the character is like it starts out like we'll start Rocky Maivia, right? Starts out like super crazy, but gains a lot of popularity. What do they do? Rebrand him. He's now Rock. Now you have Doctor Fate. Obviously, he's a, a scholar, right? Yeah. We're just gonna we're gonna turn him to a gutter punk that looks like a reject from CBGB and the Lost Boys. He was a treasure hunter or something. Yeah, oh yeah, I bet he found a lot of treasures. And He's a uh, weirdo, that's what he was. It is, and it is the furthest away. Like, if you really want to rebrand a character or like completely redo, they did it. Like, you know how yeah. sometimes, like, you know, I use Lobo a lot when they did. Lobo and it made it teenage Lobo to look when they, like. Wait, Robert when they Pattinson. made him Robert Pattinson? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that still kind of looked like Lobo, just an emo version. Yeah. Fate looks nothing like Doctor Fate. No. They like wanted not, to get rid. They they didn't like the helmets. It's it's a it was a bad comic. It was a bad look. But Doctor Fate, I think, is really cool. If you don't know about Doctor Fate, um, look into it. And then I actually didn't know he was going to be in Star Girl. Until I did my research. Yeah, neither did I. I haven't seen that on the uh, the poster. All that I'm focused on in that poster is how terrible the costumes look. <laughs> like, did you see Wildcat's costume? Yeah, it looks, it looks like like the Miraculous Ladybug or whatever that show is. It looks like she's like a reject from that or like Paw Patrol live action. <laughs> oh, I was, I, I was not a fan of that, but I'm going to watch it. Um, so number three, as we almost approach an hour... Uh, now remember, I said there's discrepancies in numbers, right? There's a big difference. My first, my first one was Naomi had six issues. My next one has 1,795 <laughs> appearances. <laughs> so, uh, and he first appeared in Captain Britain number one in October 1976, and was created by the Goat, Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, and Alan Moore. Um, 
Brian Braddock, who is Captain Britain, was chosen by Merlin to become Captain Britain to protect Great Britain and the Omniverse. He was dubbed Britain's first superhero. Later, his twin Betsy Braddock, a.k.a. Psylocke, became Captain Britain. And then Braddock is a member of Secret Avengers, MI-13, Excalibur, Captain Britain, Corpse, Knights of the Pendragon, the Hellfire Club, New Excalibur, and the Illuminati. Captain Britain is amazing. You know you know his superpowers, all the strategic superhero powers. Uh, but I would, if you're going to read anything about Captain Britain, uh, I would go Birth of the Legend, Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders, and then the new Excalibur series that's current from Marvel. Uh, and then the reason why I picked Captain Britain um, it's been talked about multiple times in the MCU. I think it's fair to say uh, his his world was most recently teased in Spider-Man: Far From Home when Mysterio said he was from that world, establishing the multiverse. Uh, then last week we talked about a weird theory where he might be in the next Doctor Strange movie. The reason why I think that people should start to get to know Captain Britain one. The universe that we have in MCU is very linear, right? There's space, and then there's New York, and then just a little, a little bit of Wakanda. That's all you have, right? And there's not a lot of European superheroes. So, like, Spider-Man has to go on vacation to establish superheroes in Europe. You know what I mean? You had Sokovia, you had Wanda and Pietro, and now they moved away. And you know, Quicksilver's dead. Wanda's living an I Love Lucy life. The world is much bigger than New York, and it's also not always cosmic. So if you're going to have these characters like Doctor Doom make his debut, he comes from Europe, right? He comes from his own fictional European country. What better way to have Captain Britain enter the MCU and show up the Omniverse and be able to show you what the world is besides what we see in New York and in space? So I felt, you know, there's a lot of captains you know, there's Captain Canuck, there's yeah. Captain Marvel, there's Captain Carrot, there's Captain America, there's Captain Hook, Captain Planet. And we go to those guys before we go to Captain Britain when we think of captains, right? So I think Captain Britain is a character that, even though it's been in 17, almost 1,800 appearances, I think it's uh, not a well-represented character that people know. It's got awesome storylines. Excal- Excalibur stuff's awesome. It could be a lead-in not only to the Omniverse, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men because of uh, of Betsy. Um, where do you stand with Captain Britain? Um, we talked about last week, and I, I like Captain Britain. Um, you know who I want is Captain Britain. But um, I always thought it was a good counterpart to Captain America. Um, yeah. And then I do like the Excalibur stuff. So uh, I would... Re- I would really like to see that in in the MCU. So, um, you know, that would be really cool to see. Yeah, they could set, like, you know, in the comics, there's X-Men versus Avengers, right? They could set up Excalibur as, like, the the NATO of Europe, right? But then the Avengers think that their their approach is a little too gritsy or whatever. A little too, you know, violent or whatever. Then you could set up, instead of going Avengers, X-Men, you go Excalibur, Avengers. It's a smaller scale with a little battle there. So I think that there's potential there. Number two is a character that is always talked about on this podcast, yet people still don't know it, and that's Blue Beetle. Yeah. 1,550 issues. If If you're wondering who picked it, it's Chuck Miller. Picked Blue Beetle. Uh, So... 
bear with me again with this because you went deep on people who had multiple reincarnations of different characters. Uh, Blue Beetle Dan Garrett was created by Charles Nicholas Wachkowski and appeared in Mystery Men Comics number one in August uh, 1939. That's not the one with Cal or Pee Wee Herman. Later, (laughs) in November 1966, Steve Ditko debuted a new Blue Beetle named Ted Kord, maybe the most famous, most recognizable uh, Blue Beetle. But knowing you, Chuck, the reason why Blue Beetle is on this list is because it's Jaime Reyes, who was created by Keith Griffin or Keith Giffen, John Rogers, and Cully Hamner, and debuted in Infinite Crisis number three on February 2006. So this is a little bit about our boy Jaime Reyes. Is it fair to say that you only want to talk about Jaime Reyes? Yes and no. Okay. So the character Jaime Reyes debuted. Uh, well, let's go before Jaime Reyes debuted. Before Ted Cord's death, Cord left the Scarab Beetle in Shazam's Rock of Eternity. Now, if you saw Shazam, you know what we're talking about. Then the Spectre, who Stephen Amell played in Crisis on Infinite Earths, destroyed the rock, launching the Scarab, which eventually landed in El Paso, Texas. Jaime Reyes finds it and enters a very symbiotic relationship with the Scarab. The Beetle moves from less of a spandex suit and coats Jamie, or coats Jaime in biomechanical armor. Jaime's debut in the DC Universe was retconned, or it retconned the Blue Beetle's origin and making it more alien and gave it a deeper storyline, which I like about the the retconning yeah. of that. It makes it more, I mean, you can develop it a little more than like, oh, I have a suit and I have money. Uh, the suit has the ability to fly, has enhanced strength, melee weapon production, which is dope, Andrea Shields, ability to unleash blasts and beams and translation of alien languages, which is a power that... Not a lot of heroes have, which they should. Uh, must reads, go back and read Infinite Crisis, where you can find out where Jaime debuted, right? The New 52 series is pretty good, but if you want to start fresh, you can read the Rebirth series that Chuck read, all 19 issues, uh, and he talks about every chance that he can. You can go back and check that out, and I think that's available on DC Universe. Now, let's go plans in the media or appearances. Ted Kord has been name-dropped in the Arrowverse multiple times. We've seen Korn Industries a lot. Uh, while Jaime has been featured in Young Justice and Smallville way back when, uh, currently there is a Jaime Reyes-based film in development from DC Universe, uh, from the DCEU, with Gareth Dunnett Al- Alcoser uh, serving as screenwriter. Now, he is the guy who wrote and I believe directed Miss Bala with uh, Gina Rodriguez last year. Uh, did you know about the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew about it. Do you um, think it's ever going to happen? No, it's never going to happen. But, uh, you know... So why'd you pick Jaime? I love Blue Beetle, and uh, I don't know why. It's weird. Um, It is weird. It's it's a very weird... Like, your favorite superhero is a 17-year-old boy. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's not my favorite superhero. No, but but he's like... Listen, you talk more about Blue Beetle than you talk any other character besides Darth Vader. (laughs) It's it's Spider-Man, Darth Vader blue beetle so maybe maybe it's not weird there's 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 parallels there so spider-man blue beetle they're bugs they're teenagers right yeah right boom parallels darth vader there's mechanicals and then there's mechanicals and blue beetle so there's obviously there's a reason there i see it i got you you went deep you uh well, you know i haven't been working in a while psychology. so in a while so i have to stretch my brain a little bit and i've been introduced to uh Jaime ray's blue beetle um, just a couple of years ago, like five, six years ago when um, I watched Young Justice. And 
I've I've known about the Ted Cord Blue Beetle for a while. Was never a big fan of them. Um, you know, we were supposed to get a Blue Beetle Booster Gold movie a while ago. Yeah, and, that's how, um, that's honestly how I knew about Blue Beetle was through Ted Cord and the Booster Gold team up, because it was like a motley crew of team ups. Yeah, but their and, relationship was very cool. Yeah, and it it was really cool to see. And um, uh, what was that comic? It was just um, Heroes in Crisis. Oh yeah, yeah, with Booster Gold and Harley Quinn. Yeah, and uh, Ted and, Cord. And obviously, obviously, Ted Cord was in it. Ted Cord plays a pretty big role in it too, um, mm-hmm. because he's Booster Gold's right hand man, pretty, um, pretty much throughout the whole series. And uh, but that was also on our quarantine list. That was one of my yeah. must reads. Yeah, and um, you know, it has nothing to do with Jaime Reyes, but it it it's uh, very. Ted Cord heavy, but mm-hmm. you know the the new Fifty Two version really didn't acknowledge any of the other Blue Beetles. Um, yeah. But what I really like about the Rebirth is that Ted Cord takes Jaime Reyes under his wing, and that's what I would like to see if they they actually go through a movie. Um, yeah. Because you, you With- do you do get you know that Tony Stark s billionaire eccentric. Yeah. And kind of passing off the torch to this young teenager who and what's really cool is too is because Ted doesn't know what it's like to be the to have the scarab you know what I mean like yes he's been the blue beetle but this is completely different and it's uh, it's very like it's it's very Iron Man meets Venom where you have the suit, but obviously there's a symbiotic relationship between an, uh, another entity, and now it's an alien. And to your point about the movie, uh, the obviously the the template is there, right? If you want to do a Blue Beetle movie, just look at Spider Man uh, Homecoming. It's there. It's it's absolutely there. Um, will DC work on that? Are they paying take, paying attention? Probably not. But I I I feel you on that. What else? Um, and I I fan cast it. Ted Cord for years, and my Ted Cord is Matthew McConaughey. I think he would be great, man. But he's now a professor at University of Texas, so who knows what's going on with him? He's like the dean of coolness or something. <laughs> I'd like—I honestly would like to see Matthew McConaughey play Ted Cord. I think he's got that vibrato. I think that he's got the—he can be eccentric. Um, I, I mean, he's—he's he's pretty good at shooing on that, that role. I mean, really reading um, the rebirth and seeing Ted Cord, his reaction and his interaction with Jaime Reyes, I'm just reading uh, reading it and I'm like, this is Matthew McConaughey through and through. Yeah. So if they ever do get on board, you know, he's my one, number one pick for Ted Cord. Uh, there's I- several actors that I could see Jaime Reyes, but uh, Ted Cord would be your foundation and that would be Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and by the time we get the movie, all these characters that you have on your your want list are probably going to age out of the fifteen year old character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I I could see a scene where Ted Cord, like Jaime Reyes, is being a little bit impatient, and Ted Cord is like, "All right, all right, all right." Like, <laughs> no. but like not, but no, not in dazed and confused, but like in a, like, "All right, all right, all right, I'm getting there." You know what I mean? That type yeah. of vibe. Um, but right, also, we're real quick also too. He was in uh, Injustice 2, and I love playing him in Injustice He's my favorite character to play with. He's awesome. Besides Green Arrow, yeah. 
All right, ready? Number one. one. Number one. Any idea who I picked at number one? No, because I didn't no. pick. I didn't pick any of the ones that you were. Yeah, I got a I got a weird list. I'm telling you, I picked some obscure ones. Um, this one might be an obscure one too. Um, this character first appeared in Stormwatch Volume Two, Number Four, <laughs> in, in February of 1998, and was created by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. Uh, Lucas Trent was a former Black Ops off the book member of Stormwatch with his partner Apollo. Uh, until his existence was found out. Uh, and then he and Apollo were given new identities. He went on to star in several Wildstorm miniseries until he got his own 20-issue run, leading to uh, a later team-up in 2011 miniseries, wait, 2011 reboot of Stormwatch from DC Comics. The character that we're talking about is Midnighter. Uh, Midnighter is a character reminiscent of Batman, but with cybernetic enhancements and a knack for violence and murder. Uh, he's got enhanced physical attributes, temporary pain suppression, and neurotactical wetware. Uh, Must reads as far as Midnighter. Uh, definitely New 52, 2014. Um, he's featured in the Grayson series. Uh, he's heavily featured in that. Uh, and in 2015, Steve Orlando series is a must read in my mind. And uh, also, go back and listen to our interview a few years ago where I actually talk about Midnighter to, uh, to Steve Orlando. And he fancast. I think he fancast Luke Evans. Uh, as Midnighter back then. And then you can read six-issue miniseries uh, from the rebirth of DC, Midnighter, and Apollo, which continues their New 52 run, uh, and he's been featured in 373 issues, uh, or appearances at least. Um, Something to make mention of, uh, Midnighter is gay. He's an openly gay superhero, him and Apollo. Um, They were probably one of the, I think they were the first openly gay couple. This was before Iceman over in Marvel came out as gay. Um, so besides being referenced in the DC comics, Midnighter has yet to uh, cross over to mainstream threshold into film or TV. Uh, but he and Apollo, in my mind, are perfect for uh, HBO Max. I think that uh, with Greg Berlanti helming all the DC television stuff, I think that a gritty Batman uh, is a grounded series. I don't think Midnighter is a movie. I think it's more of a series for sure, like to take over where Arrow left off, but just a little more intense. Uh, and I also think Greg, Greg Berlanti has a, a knack for handling uh, gay characters, and I'd like to see what they could do with this. Midnighter, do you know Midnighter? I know Midnighter from you. He's absolutely badass, um, violent. The comics are, are fantastic. That Steve Orlando series is one of my all-time favorite series of any character. I think he crushed it. I think he knew the IP. He knew where to go with it. Um, it it's definitely a must-read. Um, I'm very uh, hold Midnighter to a higher level when it comes to heroes because he is he's underrepresented and he's absolutely badass. Which kind of brings us to the end of our episode, man. That's ten heroes. Um, some of our listeners may be like, "Nothing new, bro. We know all these all these heroes." But some of you might, and that's the purpose of this episode. Episode. So whether you know all the heroes or you knew some of the heroes. Um, this is a good chance to kind of occupy your time with getting familiar with these characters. If you're new to comics or you're just getting back into comics, I think that these are 10 heroes or characters uh, worth giving a listen to or giving a read. Uh, you can find them on Comicsology. You can find them on DC Universe if they're a DC property, Marvel Unlimited. Um, you can find them if you really want them. So um, I suggest those. Chuck, you had a great, great five. Um we might do a villain episode later in the future. That'd be really neat. But uh, it's not going to be the next episode because no. the next episode is the beginning of a two-part 
well, two episode week. We're going to do two episodes. Next week, we're doing an episode uh, very special uh, to us, but extremely special uh, to the comic book world industry uh, because we're going to discuss how you can support your local comic books and we're going to reminisce on free comic book day. So that'll come out on uh, April 29th. And then after that, we're going to be doing a special Star Wars episode. Uh, First Star Wars episode of the year, I think, for us. Uh, And the first one, I mean, it's it's obvious, man. It's May the 4th. We need to have this episode. And it's a lot of fun. It's similar to this episode. So I hope you bring a notepad and a pen. But that's our episode. Support us on social media, The Active Geek. Support Chuck, Chuck underscore The Active Geek. AG Cosplay on Instagram. Support the Network Galaxy Wars, Adventures of Binks and the Beards. And Box Office Flashback Podcast. Like I said, we'll be back next week uh, for the Active Geek Podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.